Mac Power Users, episode 630, Preview Deep Dive. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey Stephen, how are you today? Man, I'm so good. Uh, I was telling you right before we hit record, I love these episodes where we go really deep on one thing. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, me this too, has man. been rattling around for a while. Um, I want to thank you for holding down the fort last week. So yeah. uh, I got a couple of emails somewhere like, oh gosh, what kind of wild weather has Memphis had this week? Because I missed yeah, several yeah. weeks ago with the ice storm. Uh, but early in the year, we always have our son's annual checkup at St. Jude. And that's usually a couple of days. They do a bunch of tests to make sure that everything's looking good. He had an MRI. And all of that continues to look uh, continues to look great. So Josiah's doing really well. Uh, we're now, uh, you know, quickly approaching, it's hard to believe, uh, 13 years since his diagnosis. That'll be in just a couple of months. And he got a, uh, a good bill of health from St. Jude last week. So that's where I was. And, uh, it's always, a a good day when we get good results back with him. Yeah. I mean, that is such great news. I didn't know if you wanted me to say anything on the show. So I just said you weren't here, but, um, but thanks for sharing that good news. It really just made my day when you sent me that text. And we're all there for you and Josiah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny because it, it, it usually coincides about the time of his checkup is when we start the podcast-a-thon planning. So yeah. as we record this, I had my first call yesterday about that. So, boy, that's just right around the corner again. <laughs> I don't know how. Uh, that'll be in September. But uh Things are good on the home front with me. So thank you for those who reached out and asked. Uh, everything's good. And and I will say that the show did not get too unhinged without your guiding hand, but <laughs> we did get into sharks and oh, more yeah, power no, users. So. Uh, yeah, I listened and I didn't think, sh- uh, you know, I was looking through the show notes like there's links to sharks in here. What did they do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's great. Uh, you know, Hawkenberry is such a... Uh, he's such like a pillar of the Mac community and yeah, he is. It, it was great to to catch up with him. Uh, I'm sad I missed it. Yeah. All right. Uh, today on more power users, uh, I, uh, the, I guess this whole office thing is never going to end. Mm-mm. And, um, cause you know, I moved from the bedroom to the kids room, then the kids room to downstairs, the COVID. Now I've decided to spend money and, and create some space you just finished creating space. I want to talk about what I'm thinking about doing in more power users today. Awesome. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while over iMessage. You've sent me some pictures, some diagrams. So, yeah, we'll get into that for our members. Uh, if you're not a member of Mac Power Users, uh, you, it's really easy to join. It's relay.fm slash MPU. There's a join button at the top of the page, monthly or yearly. If you join yearly, you get a little bit off. And you get... Every single week, we do a longer ad-free version of the show. So we do this extra segment every single week, and you also get the Relay newsletter and a bunch of other like extra content from across the Relay family of shows. So uh, if you're not a member, go check it out. And if you are, thank you so much for your support. It makes things like David's Office possible. So it's very cool. Yeah. So we're going to talk about preview today, but and the outline was coming along nicely, and then a new entry showed up yesterday some history because Steven cannot help himself. So <laughs> I, I think we're going to start there, right? Let's talk with some history about preview. Yeah. Preview is, is one of those applications that is just really, I think overlooked. It's kind of in the background 
of macOS. In a way, I think honestly, some people don't even think about it as its own application, that it's just like something the OS does. Yeah. And it's like, you know, how long has Preview been around? It's been as long as as long as I can remember on Mac OS 10. It actually was one of those applications, uh, kind of like mail. Actually came over from Next, the company that Steve yeah. Jobs was at that Apple bought, and they sort of smashed Next Step and Mac OS together and OS 10 was born. Preview dates way back to 1989. It's almost as old as I am. It is older than some of our listeners, which is wild. Well, I mean, it's a great app. And and I think it does such a good job. That's one of the reasons people think it's part of the operating system. When we did our show of apps that need love from Apple, this is one we both agreed that is in great shape. And I think that's kind of what spawned this show. But um, I also think a lot of people don't realize how broad previews, how many different things you can do in this free app that's already on your Mac. Yeah. And it's, it's been around so long, but it is so good. It sort of stands out, you know, against some of those other apps we talked about in that episode. Yeah. But like, I've got a screenshot of it in the show notes from the public beta in 2001. Like it's been around a long time. It's been in the dock by default for like 10 or 15 years now. And it's just sort of in the background, like, uh, the way I kind of think about it is like it's, it, I don't know, it's like, it's like this pillar of Mac OS that, I mean, in, in preparing for this, I I started to pay attention of how often I actually use Preview, and it's all the time, like multiple yeah. times a day. I'm opening something in it just to make a quick adjustment or sign a PDF or something, and we don't even think about it. But uh, this week we're going to get into uh, what makes it so great and. I think one of the things that does make it so great is its simplicity, that it does do a lot of things. Like, this is going to be a probably a long episode, but if you dig through its preference pane, it's very straightforward and pretty, like, pretty easy to wrap your, your arms around what it can do. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of features in there that, that creep into preview that used to be on very powerful applications. You know, it just... It just gives everybody who buys a Mac a basic tool set to do a lot of different things. And uh, today we're going to open that tool set and and play with them a little bit and talk to you about them. Yeah. Preview got regular updates for a long time. I One thing I, I'm not sure is it really doesn't seem like it has got a lot of updates lately. Um, the, um, it's been kind of feature stable for several years now. Um. But it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. There's just so much you can do with this app. And and honestly, it feels like Preview is like an underlying technology. Like once you learn Preview, uh, working in pages, numbers, you know, and Keynote is very much easier. And it almost feels like a lot of the tools kind of like trade across. Uh, Instant Alpha is one that comes to mind. Um, so it's also just kind of an underlying app to understand if you want to be a good Mac user. Yeah, and you'll see real similarities not only the way things work but even in the ui where and we'll get to the like the the editing and the markup tools well those are now in quick look and they're similar to what's on ios like yeah previews i mean it kind of feels this isn't really accurate technically but it kind of feels like it's a a framework more than an application yeah it does have that feel absolutely Yeah. yeah um and i will say to the 
the user guide for preview, I've got a link to it in the show notes on Apple's website, is really good. And even just going through this as we were preparing the show, I learned some things. I think you did too. Yeah. And it's one of those tools that, you know, we talk about this a lot on Mac Power users. Apple's first-party applications, like Notes and Reminders and Safari, whatever, they are designed and built to reach a really broad audience because most people out in the world just use the defaults, right? And those of us who want or need more move to the third-party realm where you have, instead of reminders, you have OmniFocus. Instead of Notes, you have Obsidian. And instead of Safari, you have Chrome. Preview is one of those applications that I think spans the gamut a bit broader than some of Apple's other first-party applications, maybe because it's old like because it's been around I say that like in a good way it's mature it's been yeah, around a long well, time yeah they needed those tools in the operating system yeah and it's different from mail which really its birth is about the same time the late 80s where the world around email has changed so much and mail feels like it just hasn't gotten the message <laughs> i didn't mean that as a joke but i'm gonna roll with it it's yeah good. i like that it's like good that. thank you uh, but uh, but that has actually proven to be a good thing for preview. So uh, go check out the resources in the show notes and uh, we'll start breaking this thing down. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password, the world's most loved password manager. Head over to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps to get 20% off. 1Password is the solution that Stephen and I use to manage passwords on our Macs, iPhones, and iPads. The beauty of 1Password is all you need to remember is your 1Password. The application takes care of the rest. So when you go to sign on to new web services, it can create a strong and unique password that can protect you. It's important to have different and unique passwords for every website you visit because if the bad guys hack one site, you don't want them getting your passwords for other sites. And that can be really difficult to manage. But 1Password does it for you. It even lets you determine what kind of password you make, whether it's a series of words that's more memorable or a series of random characters. You can even tell it not to use characters that look alike, like uh, the number one and the lowercase l. But with 1Password, that's just the beginning because the application has a bunch of other features that I find really useful beyond just creation and management of passwords. It has the secure vault where I can store secure information that I can keep locked up on my iPhone that nobody can see, even if they get into my phone. They also have the excellent watchtower service that keeps an eye on the websites that you have accounts for and lets you know when they've been compromised. So you can change your password or shut it down before it causes any problems. Just the fact is there's a lot of bad people on the internet trying to steal your data, your money, your privacy, and 1Password is there to protect you. And you need people who are really focused on this. The gang at 1Password is manic about your privacy. In fact, they just put a great article up on their blog site about how to use webcams securely in the age of Zoom. Webcams are a big deal now, but it's also a vector to compromise your privacy. And they've got a whole article here explaining best practices to make sure you don't get into trouble. You can find a lot of excellent security advice at the onepassword.com blog. Either way, protect yourself and your family and your coworkers with a OnePassword account. Head over to onepassword.com slash MPU. Make sure that's in all caps so you get the 20% off and let them know you came from the Mac Power users. But check it out. I think you'll really like it. I'm a big fan. So is Steven. That URL one more time, onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps. 
And thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. The core functionality of Preview can really be broken into two broad categories, I think. You have image editing and management, and then you have PDF imaging and management. And a lot of the tools in Preview overlap, kind of work with both types of files, but there's there are obviously some, some things that are unique to images that uh, that Preview can do. And uh, I mean, I think off the bat, do we want to talk about some of the the editing you can do in preview when you have an image open? Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, I was going to say bare bones, but it's not really bare bones. There's quite a bit you can do. I mean, it's not like pixel mater or Photoshop, but for basic edits, it's got quite a list of tools here. You know? Um, I mean, one of the main things people do with images is resize them. I mean, if you do anything on the internet, you know, you don't want to put massive images on your website because then it's going to, create a bandwidth problem and a slow problem for people trying to read it. So just basic resizing previous great at it. Yeah. The, the resizing is also, uh, it's, it's, I think it's much easier to sort of get your head around than something like Photoshop or another photo editor. First of all, it gives you some presets and so you can choose like fit into, and then it's a bunch of like common sizes and then yeah. it will scale down uh, to fit whatever the largest one is. But you can do it by the sizing. You do by pixels, percent, inches, and then centimeter, millimeter, and points. So you have lots of options there. You have your resolution. You can lock them together so you don't, you know, sometimes you go on a website that's maybe like an older page and on mobile is like really skinny and the image hasn't scaled uh, appropriately. Uh, so you can make sure it does that correctly. And it gives you what I think is one of the, like it's a great feature in preview is it gives you the resulting size. So say you have an image, that's 1280 across and you make it 800 across. You can see what the file size will change to when you save it. And to your point, and one thing I do in preview every single day is resize images for upload on the web. And this, yeah. It lets me kind of see the balance between the size of the image and the size of the file all in one place. And it's just super useful to to have those things paired together, I think. Yeah, I, I'm suddenly in the YouTube business, but it's all like private links because it's for the labs people. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to like make so many thumbnails now. Uh, that's like a whole thing. And um previews where I do it because it tells me because Google says if it's two megabytes more than two megabytes we won't let you upload it to be a thumbnail so I like I can dial it in with preview and it gives me the, the for, it gives me the preview of what this, the file size is so I can always get it as close as I can to that two megabytes so it's the best quality image but still something Google will accept and that's just now that's like a daily thing for me with preview another sort of uh, same sort of line like basic editing uh you have some color adjustment so if you have a you know a picture that the color is not quite right you can go to tools adjust color and it gives you a very sort of simple set of adjustments it's simpler than what you get like in photos on the iphone or ipad for instance but you can change exposure contrast etc uh, and there's also an auto levels button. So you can just hit auto and it kind of figures out what would be what would be best. And it uses a floating palette. So you can kind of put the palette wherever you need on the screen and see your whole image. 
and make some some simple adjustments, uh, simple adjustments there where you don't have to go into something like Photoshop. You can just do it right there in preview. Now, I have to wonder, chicken and egg here, like because there are a lot of photo adjustments here. Did is this where Apple started like toying with photo adjustments in preview back in 89? Or was it the photos tool set that came over to preview? You know what I mean? I always wonder. Uh, yeah. Because there is overlap. Um, I Clearly, photos has gone beyond the scope of preview. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, basic adjustments are, are fine now right here in preview. Can I just take a little side route? Since we're talking about this, I don't know whenever we're going to have the chance to bring this up. But the Max Color Picker is an amazing tool. Oh, yeah. Good call. You know, I don't know when we can talk about it because it seems like today is, is as good as you're going to get. Like when you're working with any kind of color on the Mac and you can summon this in the preview application too, whenever you're putting something in, there's a color picker and it's just a little box where it's got like, and you guys are probably all familiar with this. It's the thing where it's got the crayons and the wheel and you know, all the different, you know, basic colors and more advanced colors. But, um, it also has the ability, it's got a little magnifying glass on it where you can sample colors off your screen. I That has got me out of so many pickles when I do screencasting, I can't tell you. Yeah, it, and it's, again, another kind of older part of macOS that continues to service well today. Like, it doesn't really need a big overhaul just because of its age. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 the takeaway is the, the built-in colors are great. I actually like the way Omni does it better where they've got color sets, you know, on their apps. Omni Gravel does this. Like it's got like themes and like families of colors grouped together. I wish they would do that with uh, the color picker on Mac, but they, they do have a bunch of ways to access them. The crayons is a good example. There's different kind of crayon sets, but the, uh, the real takeaway for me is that magnifying glass. Like for example, recently I did a screencast and it, at one point I put my phone number on the screen and I just wanted to completely block it out, but it was like a gray dialogue box. It wasn't white, but you know, which gray is it, right? There's a million grays. It seems like, so I just take the color picker, hit the magnifying glass. I sample the gray color of the background and then draw a box over my phone number in the exact same gray color. And it's just gone. You never know it was there. And, um, uh, I, I, that's another kind of piece of this. It's somewhat related. I know this isn't part of the preview app, but, yeah, check that out if you haven't. It's one of those one of those things that feels like a more like a framework than anything else, or like just a component yeah. that any app on the system can use. I mean, that that thing shows up everywhere. Yeah, it does. I mean, it shows up in the iWork apps. It shows up, you know, it won't show up in Microsoft Word because Microsoft isn't going to use Apple stuff. But there's plenty of apps that that call it. Uh, sorry, a little bit of a, a side note there. No, no, <laughs> no it's good. Uh, definitely yeah, good. But, but you can definitely, you know, do colors. Um, um, in terms of um, editing, you know, the tool set and preview isn't huge, but there is some color, you know, there are some edits you can do to graphics. Yeah, this is not a tool where you're bringing in like a bunch of layers and gradients and, you know, all the, all the stuff yeah. you do in a photo editor. But you you do have basic markup tools. That's actually what Apple calls them. And it's the ability to add lines or shapes or text to an image uh, pretty pretty simply. You know, like you said, I think is a perfect example of it. I just need to block something out that's in a screenshot or in an image. You just open it 
draw a line or a box over it and have it hidden with, and then just like resave it without having to go into a more advanced workflow. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm a paying subscriber for OmniGraffle. I just got my renewal and, and I'm really happy with that app for the stuff I do with it. But for a lot of the like basic screenshots that show up in my screencasts or on Max Barkey, um, if there's like a dialog box with a box around it and an arrow, I made it in preview. I did mm-hmm. not go to the big boy tools for that. I just, you know, you can just whip it together so fast in preview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also really good for like, I find that like editing screenshots, like anytime I take a screenshot and I want to just like call something out, um, you do that. Like um, we're going to talk about this office thing after the show, but I, I have um, a plan I made in home design 3d and I wanted to send the contractor a note to say, look, I want an air conditioning vent right here. And I um, did that. I just took a screenshot of home design and drew a big red arrow mm-hmm. and just texted it to him. Um, but anyway, that yeah, that, it's just, it, you find so many uses for those little tools. They're basic, but they're useful. Uh, one thing to make sure when you're using previews, kind of wrap your head around the way the graphic tool adjustments worked. Um, they've got line, a line thickness tool. And then they've got a line color tool and they've got a fill tool and they're all right next to each other. And whether you're making an arrow or a box, you need all of them basically. Well, you don't need the fill tool on an arrow, but you you need to kind of understand how they all work. And, um, and there aren't a lot of options, but there's enough to do basic stuff. So for instance, if you want to change the thickness, you just click on the line thickness tool and you'll know what it is when you see it. It's just a bunch of lines, you know, stacked on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just drag down and pick one. It doesn't give you like specifics, like what, how many points is this? I don't know, but it's a thick line. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. This is not precision graphic design creation, right? It's, yeah. it's mocking something up to send to somebody and kind of, kind of move on. Once you learn the markup tools though, uh, I think they really are effective for like the, the 95% of what most people need to do most of the time and they work both in the image mode and the PDF mode. So we'll get to PDFs in a little while, but you have all these markup tools there as well. Yeah. Uh, a couple of like just little tricks that I've learned over the years about the, these editing tools. Uh, and one of my favorites is if you're going to crop something or, or select something and you hold the shift key, it will make that selection perfectly square. So if I'm just dragging a rectangle, it you know it'll be whatever size I draw it out with the cursor. But if I have the shift key held down when I start, it will make that a perfect square or a perfect circle. So if you need to crop something or you're just reducing the size of something, uh, having the shift key held down when you start can make sure that you want it all nice and square. Like cropping an image to make it your avatar on social media or something. And it's something that's pretty quick, but you want to make sure it's square so it all kind of looks good the way it's supposed to. Uh, that's always one that I that I go to. I was just thinking I had that exact same problem. I was going on one of the one of the the accounts I'm on, and my avatar image was was not square, so it looked funny. And then also on those avatar images, a lot of times it has to really just kind of be your face because it's so small. If you have like your body in there, it doesn't work. So I took a picture of me with my body and just cropped in and held down the shift key and got the face, you know, kind of a close mm-hmm. and shut of the face. And that is something you could get a uh, graphics application to do for you, but you could also just do it in preview. 
Um, another point to make on the markup toolbar is that it may not show up when you open preview. Um, there is on the main toolbar preview, there's a little marker with a circle around it. Um, that is what exposes the markup toolbar because sometimes it's just not there. It's like a secondary toolbar. So if you, if you're listening you're all excited and you go and you don't see any of these tools, you need to click on that button. Another useful trick that, that I've come across over the years is that you can copy and paste your uh, markup additions uh, be, as long as you have uh, the document still open. So if I have a JPEG and like your example, I want to draw a rectangle over a phone number, but then I also see that there's an email address and the color's right, I can just copy and paste that little rectangle and drag the second version over to to where I need it. Now, if I just hit save and make that a JPEG again, those aren't editable the second time yeah. because you've it burned, flattens. Yeah, yeah, you've burned them into the JPEG. But while you're working on something, uh, that can be a really useful and quick way to duplicate some work you've already done. Yeah. Uh, some of the other um, tools they've got, um, we talked about lines and arrows, but they've got basic shapes, you know, squares, rounded squares or rounded rectangle circle circle works the same way as he was talking about the square. I mean, anything you hold the shift key down when you drag it, it makes it, um, it, it locks it in. So if you want a perfect circle, hold down the shift key, just like a perfect square. They also have a little star, which I find handy, but you almost always have to use that with the shift key. If you, if you draw a square and don't have it like uh, proportionally correct, it looks really weird. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that is wild looking. It's all stretched yeah, out. It, um, they also they also have a call out bubble, which I think again this is for quick and easy edits. But like, if you have a person and you want to put a call out on it, or if you're pointing out some element of user interface you want to share with the developer that say this isn't working, the little call out bubble comes in handy. I mean, they they only have eight, but they're handy. You know, the ones they picked actually make sense. I, I suspect a lot of people in Apple use Preview for that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've used that writing documentation or screenshots for something before because you can just very easily, hey, highlight this thing. I think it looks a little bit nicer than the arrow, too, if it kind of works for what you're trying to do. Yeah. It's a it's a really nice uh, nice option. And it's kind, of, it's kind of buried under the shape button down at the bottom, but it's pretty sweet. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, so you've got some basic graphics tools. Uh, you can also draw on it. Um, they've got a, like a drawing tool. I find that completely useless. I, mean, I just <laughs> never use it. it. It does smooth it out for you after you draw it. But I just, you know, it, it really looks like it was made by a serial killer whenever you draw with your mouse. <laughs> it does. Uh, that's uh, where the Apple Pencil and the iPad really stand out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kidding. The tool, though, that... I love most about preview. Maybe this is like the, my number one tool in preview is, um, is the background removal tool. Uh, instant alpha, uh, is amazing. So what this is, is, and, and this used to be like a $600 app feature. You know, I, I guess I, I'm a, I'm dating myself. A lot of apps do background removal now and, and some of them frankly do it better than preview, but none of them are free. 
And with preview, like you get an image that you want to drop into a keynote presentation or a document you're creating or a web page. And it's got a background on it and you see it all the time. I mean, when you, have you ever watched a presentation where somebody has like a picture of, you know, a hot dog and then behind it, it's like blue and the whole, the whole keynote slide is Brown. So you see like the mm-hmm. edge around it and you're like, come on, man, you couldn't take five seconds to fix that. And in preview, that's all it takes is five seconds. You activate the instant alpha tool you click on it and drag and it removes the background for you. And it does a pretty damn good job. Totally does. And that's a feature that is in the iWork applications, but you don't have to like open keynote or pages just to do this. If the image is, is going, yeah. you know, going somewhere else. It, it started in preview. I remember when it showed up in preview, mm-hmm. I think I was writing Max Barkey at the time and I was so happy to get that tool. And then very quickly it showed up in yeah. the other apps too. Um, but it is great. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, like I use uh, Pixelmator Pro for the fancier background removal stuff because it like, like when you have strands of hair and stuff, preview is not going to get that right. But um, for most stuff, it's fine. And like one of my favorite things to do when I'm making presentations, I like to use a lot of graphics as opposed to words. I feel like that lands with people better. But so often they have backgrounds on them. Like even if you do a searching like Google Images and type PNG transparent, there's still a bunch of them with backgrounds. And it just takes a second to drop it in and uh, and do the background removal. And I know you can do this in Keynote too, but I just find a lot of use for um, taking the backgrounds mm-hmm. off. I even did that with recently with Apple has uh, images of the iPhone like frames yeah. that you can use. Well, I need to use them in screencasts. But the Apple images have backgrounds on them. You know, they're made for you to lay it up in like Photoshop and then drop your screenshot on top of it. But the way I make screencasts, I actually put the frame on top of the screencast because I don't want, you know, I want the frame to be solid, almost like the screen is behind the frame on the actual iPhone. I put the, um, the video recording behind the frame on the recording. Well, I had to, I had to remove all that background that apple has in there i just did it in preview yeah that's cool and again something that's built in something that's easy to use you can save the file out really quickly it, i mean there's just so many uses for that like when i was doing legal briefs i included pictures in that and the same thing putting an image in then removing the background and having the text scale around it um and i know a bunch of lawyers out there are cringing but believe me judges actually like that stuff mm-hmm. um you know, I don't know. It's just crazy to me that this is built into my Mac. It's mm-hmm. not like I have to go buy an app to do this anymore. So we've talked about uh, markup. I think we'll talk about annotations once we get to the PDF section. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the inspector window. Okay. So this is uh, behind. The, there's a button in the toolbar that's I with a little circle around it. And it opens the inspector. And this is like yeah. the inspector in Finder or Pages, right? It's a it's a separate little window divided into sections. And here you can get metadata about the image, so the size, the DPI, uh, the color space it's in. You can add keywords for search later on, and those those keywords are exposed to Spotlight, so you can find them there. Uh, but I think the, the most useful one, I think the one I definitely use the most, is in the, uh, under the, 
<laughs> very confusing looking inspector button inside the inspector panel. So it uses the same little eye and a and a circle. Yeah. Uh, and in there it has EXIF data. And that will include, if it's included in the photo, uh, location information. So if you're going to upload this image straight to the web and in a way that, you know, that metadata may include your image, you want to get rid of that. So there'll be a GPS tab there and you can say remove location info and resave it. And it strips that metadata out of the image. Uh, I use this all the time because I do end up posting a lot of pictures like taken with my iPhone, for instance. And if you're uploading to something like Instagram or Discord or or things like that, it's going to they're not going to pass along that that data. Right. But if you upload it to, say, your WordPress install, uh, that information could still be there. And so I um I always get rid of the GPS data. And it's just a couple of clicks away, really easy to do. I can just save it and then move on. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of data. I think this is particularly useful with images because there's so much data in here. If you want to look at what the metadata is in your photos, this is as good a way as any. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, What about creating an image from your clipboard? That's another little trick you can do with preview. Yeah, this is really cool. So if you have... uh, an image on your clipboard. So right now, like for prep for the show, I, I placed some files on my desktop so I could have them open as we spoke. But if I like take this picture of my one of my kids and I copy it in Finder and then I go to preview and hit command in or go to file new, it creates a new document with that image inside of it. Then I can save it or edit it or do whatever I need to do to it. Uh, but it's like a it's like a new copy. It's not the original. And it's uh, it's pretty handy if your workflow kind of kind of works that way. I had no idea this existed until we started prepping the show. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that, but it's awesome, right? Yeah. And like again, it's with screenshots and the kinds of stuff you want to do quick edits on. Quite often, those are images that land in your clipboard. So now you don't have to go through the process of open with or whatever. You can just you know open a new image. There it is. Mm-hmm. And because it's a it's a new copy, you can edit it without losing the source. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's non-destructive in that way. Your original is still out in Finder or wherever it was. Another cool thing you can do in preview is pull application icons. So I know this is something that you and I both need to do sometimes when we're we're writing about something. Uh, and I'll have a link in the show notes to an I download blog post that walks through it in detail. But basically, you can get info on a application in Finder, and in that window is a, a little preview of the, the app icon. And then you go into preview and hit command N, and it will paste that in a bunch of different sizes uh, into preview. And then you can export whichever one you need or edit it. These are uh, on macOS all translucent background pings. And so that's great for just like, hey, I just want to save this really quickly and upload it to a blog post or something. This is something that I learned while prepping for this. The method that I had to do this was pretty janky. And this is going to now kind of take over the way that I uh, I pull app icons. Yeah. And the, and it, you know, the historic method of like going into resources and like grabbing the icon file from the app 
it's an ICNS file. It's a different formatted file, which I think is actually a form of a package because it's going to have different size yeah. um, versions in there. Uh, but with this, once you do this, you can export the uh, PNG size of your choice. I mean, I, I, maybe this is just like a podcast or blogger thing, but um, getting those icons out is real, real nice. And uh, they are so pretty. I mean, so often these Mac app icons, when you get them on a full like window, they look mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. I mean, I think I could see this if you're, you know, working in a company that has an app or you're trying to to pick a platform for something, you know, like, again, going back to sort of like your, I'm doing it and putting it in a presentation. This is a, like the best way that I found to, to pull these icons. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's another, um, trick if you're looking for images to include in a presentation i know this isn't the keynote show but search uh, whatever you're looking for and then add the word icon at the end because whatever whether it's icns or whatever preview can open it and you can export it how you want and icon files are quite often transparent and look really nice in presentations hey did you see how we did that we're talking about exporting now yeah that's good let's let's export some images we've opened them we've Done yeah. some editing, maybe. Under file export, you have a wealth of options. Uh, you, of course, name your file, put it wherever you want it. But under the format menu, uh, you have several options. You have uh, Heek. I forget how we pronounce or how we're pronouncing that, but that's the the new format that iPhones and stuff shoot in. Dot heic. Yeah, you can save back to that if you want to. Uh, you can save it as a JPEG or the ill-fated JPEG 2000 file format, which I'm surprised is still in preview. I think even Photoshop's gotten rid of that. That was sort of this like weird JPEG offshoot that never really went anywhere. I feel like it'd be more work to take it out than it would be to leave it <laughs> yeah. there. So that's why it's there. Yeah. No one knows what to do with uh It's basically a JPEG, but it includes an alpha channel like uh, like a PNG does for transparency. It's very strange. Uh, of course, you can save it as a PNG uh, or a TIFF file as well. And you can see, like in the resize uh, window, you can see how big your file size is going to be once it's saved. So you got you got lots of options for export and a good bit of control over what it does. Yeah, and it exports to Photoshop. Now, this is really helpful Like when you're working with people that are Photoshop folks and they're like, give me the Photoshop file. And you're like, I don't have the $600 Photoshop app on my Mac, you know? And they're like, well, what's wrong with you? How come you don't give Adobe all that money? Well, you don't have to worry about it. Just put it together in preview, export it as Photoshop and send it to them. It, it works. And, and they also support raw, which is kind of nuts too. Like, I don't know who's doing raw image editing and preview. That's one that's almost a bridge too far for me, but it's cool that it's supported. <laughs> Who knows? Who who knows? This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by our friends at Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience, and it's used by the biggest creators on the web, including those of us here at Relay FM. We use it to generate sustainable, recurring income for our company while diversifying our revenue stream. You've heard us talking about Memberful and the Relay FM membership program. We chose to build that on Memberful like six or seven years ago. And as we've grown and changed the membership, they've been an excellent platform to build it on. We use it for our newsletter, for uh, bonus ad-free versions of the shows just for members, 
it's all fantastic to have that all under one roof. If you are a creator on the web, Memberful is where you should go when it comes to monetizing your audience in new ways. Maybe you're already relying on advertising or other means of income. Well, it's important to diversify that. And Memberful has all the tools you need, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay support, free trials, private podcast feeds, and tons more. And they leave you in full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. Like I said, you can even send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. These can even be published on a members-only website, which is cool. People can go back and see the archives. There's no additional fee for that when you're signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you'll save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. If you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free at memberful.com MPU. No credit card required. That's memberful.com MPU. Go there now to check it out. It could be the start of something really exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of the show and Relay FM. Okay, so we've talked about images. Let's talk about the other big, you know, banner feature of preview, and that's PDFs. And uh, you know, it is a good PDF reader and annotation tool. I guess that's the that's the headline here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For a long time, Apple said it was the fastest PDF viewer application in the world. I, I think that status isn't important anymore, so they've, they've backed off that language. Uh, but it'll open a PDF. It'll, op- it'll also open an EPS file, which you're probably not going to run into unless you're in the, like the graphics industry. But uh, it can open those. It can open PostScript, uh, do all that translation for you. I want to talk about its ability to open PDF files because... Not all PDF apps are created equal in this case. Like um, doing legal work for so many years, I often had to download forms from secretaries of state for different states across the country. And some of them had put a lot of effort into making their forms in PDF, and some of them had put zero effort into it. And some of them just won't open in some of the commercial PDF apps out there. Mm -hmm. And every time I hit that, And uh, I would open it in preview, and it always worked. I never had preview fail to open and properly display a PDF. And, like, what what I mean by they wouldn't open the other apps, they would open. They were PDFs. But, like, the form boxes would be all jammed together or, you know, it it would clearly not as the creator intended the way it was was rendering it. Where PDF or, or preview always opens the PDFs properly. And, like, if there are fillable forms, they're always accessible. In preview, I just found that um, if I ever had trouble using um, a fancy PDF application, uh, that preview could always open a file, and it wouldn't give me the same tool set, you know, as the fancier ones did. But at least it gave me a version of the form as it was intended to be used. Because, you know, if you if you uh, have an application that doesn't render it properly, and then you know you get the client signature and everything, you send it to them. They're like, "Well, this doesn't look right. We're not going to accept it." And then you've got to like start all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It preview seems very robust in that way. You've got your uh, annotation and markup tools. So we we, we walked through a lot of those, and we were talking about uh, images. Uh, you you've got a couple that I think are a little bit more uh, like PDF sort of focused. 
Uh, you have yeah. uh, the ability to save and add a signature. Yeah. And the creation for signatures is pretty cool. You can sign using um, like a sign on something like hold up to the webcam on your, <laughs> on your Mac. Uh, you can sign on the trackpad, which is kind of like the signing with the mouse cursor. Like it just never really, yeah. never really works. That's bad. That's bad. Um, yeah. And you can sign on your iPhone. So you go to create a signature, you select your iPhone and then you draw on your iPhone screen to, uh, to sign the one that I have. I think I signed with like a, like a felt tip marker, like 15 years ago on a index card and it's still hanging out in preview. And it's the one I use to this day to sign PDFs. Yeah. And it, it remembers, it saves it to iCloud. So if you've got different Macs or you get a new Mac, it's just going to come over with you. I would recommend not only signing your full name, uh, do one where you just sign your first name yep. and then do one where you sign your initials. And this is one where I think preview is probably better than any third party implementation I've ever seen of this because you sign on a piece of paper, it actually looks like your signature. And it doesn't just take a picture of it. It creates a PNG of your signature and it removes the background. So when you drop that signature into a document and there's a line, you can still see the line behind the signature. It just, they really got that right. You know, it's like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, somebody at Apple said, I'm going to do this. And, and I, I feel like every other PDF app has to be jealous that, you know, Apple beat them to this and it's probably an IP thing and whatnot, but but they just, I feel like those, um, you know, that webcam based picture of your signature thing is a killer feature for mm-hmm. preview. The uh, PDF annotation tools. So they've got a bunch that, like, the highlighter is like, um, it, it looks like a highlighter went over it. You know, it's like, it's artistic, if that makes sense. It, you know, when you use a highlighter in real life, it's not completely even as you pull it across. That's kind of the implementation in preview, which I kind of like. Uh, most PDF apps, it's a block. You know, they draw a rectangle around it that's perfect, and it's not a perfect rectangle for the highlighter. So that's kind of fun. They've got a strikeout tool, which is really useful. Like if you're working on a contract, you want to strike some text out, you can. They've got, um, you know, uh, the ability to insert text. You know, you can write text on top of it, but that is not as deep as third-party apps. Uh, they don't have redaction tools. I guess I'm just unloading as a former attorney here for a minute. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it got the basics, I guess is what I would say. If you do, you know, if you spend a lot of time in contracts for a living or documents, you may need to upgrade. And there, you know, there's great options out there. Um, but I have to tell you, since I have, you know, see, since I've hung up my law practice, I've been doing almost all of my PDF stuff just in preview because I don't need the deep tools as much anymore. And the convenience of it is there. Like I can do a highlight. I can do a strikeout. I've got basically what I need. And the signature tool is, is killer. Yeah, it, it really is. One thing that um, I wanted to ask you about in particular, I know we, we talked about this when we talked about pages and using it like interchangeably with iWork. How do these annotations work? Like say I mark up a PDF in preview and I send it to you and you open it in some other application. Can you see those annotations or do you have to use preview to see what I did? Preview flattens them and puts them in. I mean, it, okay. it, it, does, it doesn't It does usually put them in as a separate layer. 
And so once you save it, it's in there. Some of the other apps, you can actually save the annotations as a separate layer so someone can remove them. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, Preview, everything I've ever done with Preview flattens it. Now, okay. now that I'm questioning myself as I say that, maybe there's <laughs> a way around that. But but I'm not aware of of a way to do that. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so it, it flattens it. So you'll see them. You don't need preview to see them. Any PDF application will see them, but they're not going to be adjustable once you once you save it. Cool. I think a sort of like the secret weapon when it comes to PDFs and preview is the sidebar. And yeah. by default, it shows the thumbnails of like any pages you have, but you can change it under the view menu. There's a bunch of options. And... Uh, one of them is highlights and notes. And so this PDF that I've been using just to reference as we talk, I had made some annotations uh, earlier this week and highlighted some things. And if I go to that view, I can just jump right to any of those annotations. And the sidebar gives me a little preview of maybe what the, the note says or what was highlighted. That is really cool. So you don't have to scroll through, you know, the whole... 18 page PDF. If you don't want to, you can just get right to where those annotations are. And uh, I think it's a pretty cool time saver. Yeah. And, and that's true um, with most PDF apps. I mean, the, the distinguishing point here is that this app is free, right? Um, uh, one thing preview doesn't do that I find super helpful with PDFs is it doesn't do OCR. Like um, when you open a PDF in preview, if it's not already OCR'd, it's not going to be OCR'd. Right. And that's that's where I prefer things like, you know, PDF Pin or, or um, uh, Adobe. Um, uh, you know, you, there's apps out there that will do that OCR for you. And and frankly, now with a lot of the mobile uh, scanning apps, they'll do it for you as well. But um, if you're going to do serious kind of like document review in preview, I would recommend trying to find a way to get it OCR'd before you put it in. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's some bunch of good apps on the Mac that can do that. But uh yeah, preview doesn't do it. I have got so I almost never I mean, I took the scanner off my desk and I've just been using my phone to scan. And cuz I don't get, you know, once again, like my paper consumption has gone down. So, it's not that big of a deal to take a a camera out or a phone out and just shoot a picture of a, mm-hmm. a document and and most of them do the OCR too now. I mean, we this stuff has come a long way. Yeah, yeah, it really has. One thing that Preview uh, doesn't have is the ability to create forms. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But you can fill out forms. So if you download a PDF and you, you would, you know, maybe in the olden days, you would print it and then get a pen out and write it and then scan it and mail it back. A lot of PDFs you download from the web are fillable forms and preview yeah. can deal with that. You can click in the text box and type what you need to select the check boxes that you want. And it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. That's, that's another thing that I've had be wacky in third party applications. Like you mentioned earlier, but yeah. preview always seems to load them correctly. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a basic form that's fillable, and you want to sign it, um, preview is probably the best tool. It's not only the cheapest tool, it's probably the best tool for that job. Mm-hmm. Agreed. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Electric. Go to electric.ai slash MPU and stop stressing over scattered devices. 
and get a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones when you schedule a qualifying meeting. So you have a whole fleet of Apple devices, and they used to be arranged neatly, carried to and from an office predictably, handed directly to your team members on day one, and used precisely for work and securely connected to the office network. Now they're strewn across the land. Your company iPads, iPhones, and Macs are out there connecting to dodgy coffee shop Wi-Fi, mistakenly left behind on cross-country flights, and moonlighting as a child's toy in playrooms turned work-from-home offices. What could go wrong? Thanks to Electric, you don't have to worry about what could go wrong. Electric gives you fully supported device management for Apple devices. Electric device management automates device provisioning and setup, remotely enforces security and compliance across your fleet, and gives you visibility into your device inventory and health at all times. Electric uses the world's leading mobile device management providers and tops it off with world-class IT support. With Electric, you get fully managed devices and over 100 IT specialists ready to fill your team's IT requests. So stop stressing over scattered devices. Head over to electric.ai slash MPU and get started. And just for taking a qualified meeting with their team, they'll give you a pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones. That's electric.ai slash MPU and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones today when you schedule a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of the Mac Power users. That is a basic PDF workflow stuff in preview. Uh, there's some advanced things too. And one that people may not be aware of uh, is being able to password protect or set permissions uh, on a PDF. So I've run into this before, like say that your accountant sends you a PDF or your bank and they have set a password. That means that even if you have the file, you can't necessarily open it uh, because you don't have the, the password to protect it. So, in preview, when you go to export a PDF, there is a uh, a little permissions button, and you can set a password. So you can make sure that only the person who you intend to see it can see it. Yeah, and they've also got, a under the file menu, a button called Edit Permissions, where you can also set a password, and you can set permissions in terms of like, can this document be printed or can they copy text and graphics out of it? They've got a whole series of checkboxes there that you can turn on or off in relation to the PDF. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I like how granular it is. You know, maybe I'm just not in the field that, that needs this very often, but I really couldn't think of anything that I would want or need out of permissions that this dialog box doesn't, doesn't offer. And you can... Uh, you can very kind of easily easily manage that. And if you change, if you open some of these and you decide to change it later, there's an owner password field that you can put in so you could change that uh, later on if you want. Uh, all right there. That used to be something I think you'd have to go to a third party for, but it's, again, just built into this, this free Mac app and can really come in handy, especially if you're using this like in a, uh, in a work environment where you're, you know, maybe sharing things that are, that are sensitive you could send this and then send the password uh, a different way so they're they're never together. Yeah, and frankly, when I was doing legal contracts, I had used another app to set permissions because I didn't realize how deep it went with preview until we started getting ready for this show. The first time I saw this dialogue, I'm like, oh, wait a second. 
I didn't need to leave preview for some of this stuff. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know when this got added, so maybe it's on the the newer side of things. But yeah. but it's yeah, pretty cool, possibly. Well, and, and then just in general, I started talking about text annotation in the prior segment, but I didn't really go that deep. And you know, assuming you've got an OCR file, it has the ability to do highlights, strike throughs, and underlines, which is all primarily what you need for for most like text review. Like if you want to strike something out or underline it. And then you have the ability to add like an annotation. You can draw an arrow or a call out box. And so most of the basic PDF tools are, are baked right in. Um, I find it can be troublesome. Like if you want to insert new text, like with um, like an app, like PDF pen, you can convert it to a word document and that gives you all the word, you know, um, um, annotation tools and you know track changes and all that but working just off a pdf and that's all this app is it can get tedious but there's ways to do it like i i've worked on documents where the other side wouldn't give us the text and we didn't want to do words so we'd have arrows you know drawn up the document or we'd put in like annotations and include another page with uh, additional text so I, I think really it can do a lot of this stuff and like I said, I, I'm coming at it from a weird place because for somebody that did it for, you know, almost 30 years as a lawyer, sometimes you do need a little more than this. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm not doing the legal work, I really am seeing the advantage of, of preview for a lot of this for the stuff I'm doing these days. Yeah, I think that's where most people are. It's it's rare that I need anything uh, anything more than this. Another tool we haven't mentioned really is the text tool. And the text I find a little counterintuitive for some reason, like um, cause you hit the button and it drops a text in the middle of the screen. And it's, it's the default text size, which for most people is black and small. Mm-hmm. And so you won't see it. It just like puts a text box in your document. And if you're looking at the document, the whole, and there's already a lot of text on the document, you may not even notice it just appeared. So then you hit it again, and before you know it, you've got like five letter A's in the center of the screen and uh, or text boxes. And um, so what I do is I always make a point to set text formatting before I put a text box in. Like um, when I'm writing on documents where I want people to change things, I usually put the text in red. And then you can do all of that under the text tool, which is the far right of the, uh, of the toolbar. Uh, and you set all that up first, then you insert text. And uh, if you forget to do that, you can always go back, select the text box, highlight it, and change the formatting. But it's easier to set the formatting first. And then once you get it in, then you use the trick Stephen was talking about earlier, uh, Command-C, Command-V, or Command-D to duplicate. So you just copy it and paste it. Yeah. And um, then you've got the formatting right, so then you can just start typing in. But uh, I feel like when you're using text... It's a bit counterintuitive in terms of how to get the formatting. And sometimes people don't even realize that the text box are showing up. I've definitely had that. I was like, oh, it didn't do it. And then I have three. Uh, it's Yeah, yeah it's weird. Uh, and it's been that way as long as I can remember. So, yeah, Forever. that's a good point. Just yeah. keep an eye out because it's always going to show up somewhere where you can't can't really read it, which is a bummer. Yeah, I almost wish they had put the text formatting and the text creation box under the same button or at least next to each other because mm-hmm. they're actually separated on the toolbar. But the 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 power tip there is just set the formatting before you add the text and it'll be easy. And, and it's not impossible to go back and fix it later, but I, I find it 
much easier to do the formatting first. Yeah. I want to get back to the the sidebar a little bit because with okay. with PDFs in particular, it, it can be very, very useful. So here, my example I've had up is a 26-page PDF, and I can use the sidebar to drag and drop and rearrange uh, pages uh, in the PDF, just like you can in Keynote, where say, oh, I want this slide to be after this slide. You just click and drag it. Yeah, uh, That's all there in preview, uh, and it works as you would expect. But it also has a couple of, of cool tricks. So if you have uh, a, a page or a group of pages selected in the sidebar and you drag them out into Finder, it will make a new PDF out of just those pages. And it just gives it a name, like uh, it puts like dragged in, in the, uh, yeah. the file yeah, name. It's just, a terrible name. It's so bad. Know. It's like, yes, yeah. I dragged it over from preview. Uh, that, that guy took an early lunch that day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so lazy. Uh, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. And there's definitely times where I just maybe need to like send a signature page to somebody. Don't They don't want their whole eight-page PDF back. Yeah. And you can just drag it out or rearrange it. Uh, you can also use it to take a page from one PDF and insert it into the other. So you can take it out of the sidebar of one and then drag it into the sidebar of another. And they get, you know, the pages move out of the way. So if you want it between pages nine and 10 and you move the cursor there, it kind of makes a space and then you drop it and it is, it is there in, uh, in that PDF. Uh, this is kind of, I think, an underrated feature in preview. Doing this in some other applications is actually really pretty tricky. And preview just makes it like very Mac-like just to drag and drop it. And kind of what you expect to happen is what happens. Yeah, another law story. I guess that's inevitable whenever we talk about that's PDFs. Okay. But yeah, the um, like uh, I'd work on these contracts and I would make them and render them in really clean PDF, and I'd send them to the other side. And I think they, the other side would like feed it into a fax machine, and then they would give it to their dog, and then they'd sign it with a broken pen and take a picture with like an iPhone 3GS and mail it to me. You know, so I'd have these horrible looking signature pages. And and they'd send me the whole contract like that. And I'd always just drag the signature page into the clean one. So we had actually a clean contract and then a really ugly signature page. In fact, usually I would keep the blank signature page too, plus the, the bad signature page. Mm-hmm. So you could see it all and keep it there. But that's really helpful. Um, also, if you're going to use PDFs in other applications, maybe you're going to drop it into a Word document or a Pages document or a Keynote slide or whatever. It works the same way. You, dr- you just pull them out and then you can add them. It just makes it really easy. And it's not removing the page from the source PDF. It's just making a copy of it. As the uh, saying goes, it's dragged. <laughs> it's dragged. That kills me. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Super useful though. You can also take pictures in it. Like uh, um, when I used to do my expert witness examinations, I would always like just have the applicable paragraph on the screen so we could talk about that. And uh, I would go like next level and just take a screenshot of the paragraph. And then, but I would do it from preview and then just take the screenshot and drop it in, in Keynote. There's a lot of ways to to pull this off, but but just having a real bare bones, uh, rock solid, reliable PDF application just gives you a lot of options. Yeah. What about um, 
forms where they don't have them pre-filled out for you. So you can you can use the text tool to kind of fake it. And I've definitely done this before. We're like, name, yeah. there's an underline. I just get a text box. I put my name in it. I kind of drag it over to where it's supposed to be. And if I save a PDF uh, back out again, again and I send it to somebody, you know, it has all the information where it would be. It's definitely nicer if they have done the forms, but you can still totally do it manually. It may just take a little bit more time. But, you know, a lot of people don't have a printer or don't have a scanner. Uh, of course, you can use your phone for the 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 second. But totally able to like just kind of put your stuff where you need it. I've even done it, David, where like I type like a little X and like line it up in a box. So it's like I checked it. Yeah. Totally yeah. works. I want to talk a little bit about exporting uh, a PDF. So we mentioned the permissions a second ago, but you have other options as well. You've, if you set your format to PDF, you can create, uh, you know, those permissions, set them how you want, but there's also some filters most of these probably aren't that useful. You have like save it as a black and white PDF or blue or gray tone or change the lightness. Well, actually, those are, are kind of useful. Okay, um, I want to hear about if, these if, then because I don't I didn't understand the need for them. Sometimes people will take a picture and they'll take it as a JPEG or an HEIC of a document. And then when you bring it in to make it a PDF and preview. Um, it still has a lot of uh, grayscale in it, you know, because it was an image. And you, by converting it to black and white or cutting down the grayscale, you can really clean up the look of a document. So I don't need it very often, but occasionally that that's useful. I mean, we've all had these weird PDFs we get where it's just full of grayscale because it started life as something other than a clean PDF, like out of an application. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. use those once in a while. Okay. One that uh, I I don't know how I hadn't seen this in the past, but one of these filters is reduce file size. Yeah, This is extremely useful if you were scanning something. And sometimes when you scan something, you know, the PDF will be like, you know, 18, 19 megabytes, even bigger, easily bigger. Can't email that very simply. And Adobe Acrobat for years has had an option to save a PDF as a reduced file size. And basically flattens the images and does a bunch of stuff to to really crank down the file size. But you can do it here as well. In my testing, it's not quite as good at reducing size as Acrobat is. But if you're not paying for Acrobat and you have preview for free, it does a good enough job for most things. And yeah. uh, again, I don't know, like, I think I just always ignored the quartz filter drop down on the export pane. But uh, but here it is. and. A lot of people have that, I think, scenario where like this PDF is just bloated and I don't need it this big. Well, now you can pretty quickly change that. Yeah, no, that I, I, I was going to say good enough earlier and you said it too. I mean, I, I don't think you need to buy Adobe Acrobat for that feature. I mean, maybe you've got other stuff you want to do, OCR or whatever. If you're just looking to reduce file size, the one built in is fine in preview. Mm-hmm. Another thing to talk about with preview that I think people do get confused about is the document model. And this kind of comes out of a big movement at Apple. What was it? Was it lion? I guess it was lion. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote it in the outline. It's lion. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the Apple, you know, for the longest time, they followed the traditional model where the menu bar said save and then save as right. Mm -hmm. And 
that was kind of the way a lot of us grew up using computers. Microsoft Word still uses it to this day, where if you want to make a copy of something, you would save as, and that would leave the original intact and then allow you to kind of fork the document in essence. But starting in Lion, Apple changed that and they didn't, the save as button went away and the duplicate button showed up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird and it's not implemented. Like you said, you brought up Word, which is maybe the best example. It's not consistent across applications, but it does give you, I guess, some flexibility that just like file save, file save as didn't necessarily bring. Well, I mean, the problem with the old model is you forget, right? And you're like, well, I'm going to use this as a template to make another one. And then you work on it for an hour and you realize, man, I forgot to save as. So I just destroyed the original. Yeah. And you had the, the easiest way around that. Speaking as someone who has experience is you save as then, but then you go to the original one that you worked on for an hour and you hit command Z until it won't press anymore, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which is not really, that's really not ideal either. No, because you're always like three steps away from being the original again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. can, be, because of this new section, this new saving arrangement, you can revert changes, which is cool. Um, yeah. Uh, you go to ch- uh, file revert to, and then you can, uh, choose from a couple of different options there. You can also rename and even relocate or lock the file from the title bar. So I, I have a screenshot of this in the show notes. Okay. This is my sidebar. Okay. You, you talked about the color picker. I want to talk about this. Yeah. This, I think could be the most confusing first party UI in Mac OS. So if if you can, you know, if you're not if you're driving, don't do it. But if you're around and you can look at this, look at the look at the screenshot in the show notes. You click it, you get three fields. You get name, tags, and where, which is location. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's I know. yeah, I don't know why it's called that. But it is unclear if that is where the document was or where it's going to be when you're done with this because you can use where you can click in there and you then you get your standard you know kind of location picker and finder yeah and it doesn't tell you if it's the previous or future location and i still i mean lion came out a long time ago i still find this ui confusing at times because it doesn't give me the idea of state of where the file is and if you do file save as you tell the finder, this is where this goes. And it's pretty clear when you hit that button, what's going to happen. And I think this UI, it just doesn't live up to that clarity in my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there's a couple things to say here. First of all, you're, you're really talking about the proxy icon. Yeah. Kind of kerfluffle. Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, Apple took the proxy icon out. Um, where you have to now hover on the label, even in preview, to make it show up, which is bananas to me. And the proxy icon, I love it. I mean, so one way you get around the whole new weird file management system is you just drag the proxy icon off the document onto your desktop and hold down the option key and you create a copy of it there. You know, So that really helps. But the thing that you're, you're taking issue with here, I feel like, is this label where? Right. It's like 
what does that even mean? Like, I, I think location would be such a better name for it because what that reflects is the current location of the document. And if you go in there and you select a new location, you just moved the document to that location, which I think can be kind of handy mm-hmm. to do from the toolbar. But it is, you're right, totally unclear as to what you're doing. And I think the only reason it doesn't say location is because there are too many letters in the word location <laughs> in the way they set this box up. That that would be my guess because they've got name, tags, and where. And all of them are about the same length. Yep. Yeah. Where. What a, what a goofy... I mean, was there a meeting for this? I, I feel like there there probably was. Yeah, I don't know. But it was too short. I don't know. So yeah, so if you're duplicating a lot of files or you know saving different versions in preview, just pay it a little bit of attention because it does work. It works the way that some of Apple's other apps work, but it doesn't work the way that a lot of third-party apps do because this was never, and we're, um, we're down the weeds, I apologize. This was never enforced by Apple. So Microsoft Word doesn't have to do this, right? Apple's like, we're changing the document model. And a bunch of developers are like, eh. I mean, a lot of developers did buy in, but a lot of them are like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. And to me, it stands out in preview because very often I'm making changes and then I want to save it as a different file name or something. So I hit this one pretty often. You know what I found? I was just thinking about this. What I my behavior became since the line has shipped because I do a lot of document stuff, particular, especially up until the end of last year, where I'd be like doing corporate minutes and I'd have to make a new set and I would start with the old set. And what I would always do is at this point is I would go in the finder and just select the documents and just hit command D in finder and duplicate them in finder and rename them there. And then I would open them in pages or preview or whatever. Mm. I, I think this model really pushed me out of like, that sort of file management from within the application, you know, the yeah. new document model meant I just stopped using it. And uh, if I look at my behavior, it's largely, I would go to the finder because I, I have a really cool trick with Alfred where I can easily find the folder of anything. So it just took a couple keystrokes to get into the folder and then just duplicate it there. Yeah. Which I don't think is what Apple, I think, Apple's trying to get away yeah. from people doing that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it pushed you it into, pushed it. into it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never really thought about it, but just like sitting here thinking, wow, how did I handle that? Well, I just almost always went in the finder. Now. <laughs> you just ran away from it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I totally get it. They could do better with that. I, I don't know how you get out of that because they've, they've gone down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if they're ever going to come back out. It's been a long time. I mean, Lion was like... What about this lock button? Yeah. This lock button. Do you ever push that? No. No. I don't. Never. It's very strange. The tags is cool. Like, the, you know, but you've heard my rant on tags because if you use uh, mobile devices, the tags aren't really that good. But it is cool that they made a way to put tags in the document very easily. I I like that. But... um, I just feel like a lot of this stuff got like 80% of the way there and, and they never, they never finished it. Uh, We had had uh, a question from a listener who was in the situation when they would open preview, it would always have like a previous earlier file open in it. Yeah. And I did some digging into this. Uh, There are a couple of things that sort of interact with this new document model that could be causing it. In the general preference pane and system preferences, there's an option 
to have apps reopen the documents that it had opened last time it was closed. It's called Close Windows When Quitting an App. The name does not really explain what it does, uh, but there's yeah. some little helper text there. Uh, the arrow I put on the screenshot, uh, you know, done in markup and <laughs> preview. But yeah, uh, it could be that that option has gotten funny for you. So you could uncheck it, quit some preferences, go back in and recheck it. But it may also be that something is wrong in like the the library of your user folder that it's it has gotten stuck in there is like this is previews saved application state. And you can go in there. It's user library saved application state. In there, there's a preview folder. You could delete that folder, relaunch preview, and uh, that may take care of it as well. I couldn't replicate this on my machine to like guarantee that this is a fix, but one of those two things should uh, should help if you have preview like always opening the same PDF or image anytime you open it, even though you've told it not to. Yeah, it's sad though that you've got to like go through that. Yeah, you know, it should be easier. Yeah, um, but you know sometimes those things get stuck. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they have you covered with everything you need. Squarespace means your website is backed with world-class engineering, and you don't have to become a web administrator to do it. You don't have to worry about patches or upgrades. Their award-winning 24-7 customer support is there if you need any help. And their suite of tools makes it really easy to build a website from the ground up. You start with the professionally designed template, customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale. Everything is just a few clicks away. Let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, they have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to help get your ideas out there. I just started building a Squarespace site for a friend of mine. He started his own business during the pandemic, and it's been uh, going really well, and it's kind of time to build a website to find some new clients. And so we are using heavy, heavy use of the photos features in Squarespace. You can create these really awesome looking galleries. He's always professional photography done, and we really get to show it off on his website. And uh, my buddy's been really happy with it, and I think he's uh, going to find it to be a successful project. So head on over to squarespace.com MPU for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash MPU. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Okay, so there's one thing, Stephen, I've been sitting on my hands this whole episode because Preview does all the cool stuff we've been talking about. But Preview is also really automator friendly. You know, you can do some cool automations with preview. Well, you can, if you use automator. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm deep in the shortcuts for Mac field guy. There's not even a, a serious, they don't even have automations or shortcut steps, actions for preview, but automator does, you know, thank you, Sal. And, um, uh, so automator has a bunch of cool stuff. Like, you know, that thing you were talking about earlier about, uh, shrinking the size of PDFs, you can create an automation with Automator where you just right-click it and press it, and then it automatically reduces the size. Um, they've got um, – there's just a lot you can do if you go on Automator. And I, I can't help but feel like those actions are going to make their way over to the shortcuts for Mac soon too. At some point. I think that was one of those things of this is the first year, 
And we spoke about this back when shortcuts was introduced, like there's just more stuff to be done, but uh, having an automator definitely makes it accessible. You can save those things as workflows. Uh, you can put them right in finder. Yeah. Um, and I have a, a couple of these. Uh, one that I have is called, I call it two, like the T O and then yeah. uh, 2000 PX. And so I can right click on an image, go to the quick action and say, and it just resizes an image to 2000 pixels across. Um, yeah. I have not found a way, and if someone has figured this out, I'd love to know. I haven't found a way in Automator to strip the GPS metadata. So I still end up opening preview a lot to get rid of that if I'm going to post an image uh, someplace that I don't want the location still attached to the file. But I think you'd have to go to Apple Script for that. Probably. Um, and I poked around that a few years ago and just sort of moved on. But uh, you do have, you know, what you would expect change the size, rotate an image. Uh, pad an image and you can even change image type so another one that i have is change uh the heic that new format that the iphone takes photos yeah. in save that to jpeg because sometimes you upload a file like that to a website and doesn't know what to do and so i can just right click on that if i've drug it out of the photos application for instance and it's just called to jpeg and it just replaces it with a jpeg within a matter of like a heartbeat <laughs> on my mac and then I can upload it to wherever I need to go. Yep, I did the same thing. I mean, and it's just um, so useful because there is a lot of places that uploading an HEIC folder, a file is going to cause it to barf. So, you know, right-click, change it to JPEG, you're good to go. PDFs, there's a bunch, you know. Um, you can compress it, like I talked about earlier. You can automate the encryption process. I, I just see Sal Segoyan's fingerprints all over this yes, thing. Yes, me like, too. You know, extract odd and even pages. That's like Sal, like <laughs> eating a sandwich going, hey, wouldn't it be funny if I could just take out yeah. just the even pages, right? You know? Hey, some of that's really useful in like page layout workflows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Preview sort of has that, Preview to me has this feel of like, I mean, it is an old Mac app, but like an old yeah. Mac app, right? Like a classic yeah. Mac app where a lot of things are really built around these particular workflows for print professionals. And like I did a lot of that in high school and college. And sometimes you just need to pull out all the even pages and uh, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's, I really look forward to the day that these automations are pulled into shortcuts and it's just a matter of time. I mean, you know, we did that interview almost a year ago now about this with someone from Apple. They were like, yeah, like this autom automator stuff will eventually find its way into shortcuts. And, uh, Whenever it does, I think it'll be a good day. Yeah. And it really is um, an app that I feel like, you know, there were meetings back in the day with Steve Jobs in the room saying, how do we make this preview app better? Uh, because it was just so kind of critical to the Mac. And the Mac was the only product Apple sold at the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I don't think that Tim Cook is sitting in meetings about preview anymore. Um, no. And so some of this legacy stuff, I think, is it comes from those days. Another very cool automation that they've got built in Automator, and I've got a tutorial on this. I'm Sparky. I'll dig up the link before we publish, um, is you can make watermarks. And it's it's trivial, you know, and you can set it so it puts it diagonal and makes it, you know, set the opacity so you can see through it. And uh, quite often I would, I would just save a, a PDF document to the desktop, right click it, apply the watermark, and then send it off. And the idea, I almost 100% of the time used it for drafts. 
Like if I write a draft contract, I don't want somebody signing it because it's a draft. It's not done, you know? And so you put the word draft in big block text across the middle of it, then they don't do that. But yeah, automation is is cool, but it's in a weird state right now. Yeah. I mean, you still got all the automator tools. Presumably at some point, automator is going to disappear. And according to Apple, you know, by then all this stuff's going to come over. I think one of the reasons why the um, preview stuff didn't come over immediately is because preview is not on mobile, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Let's talk about some alternatives. You know, when when is the time that you step up to something more more robust, more professional? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've we've been outlining the limitations as we went through the show today, but I'll I'll do, I'll do PDFs and you do images cuz okay. I've spent so much time with PDFs. Like if you want to do Bates numbering or if you want to do redactions and like if you want to apply OCR, all those limitations I talked about through today's show there are apps out there that do that. And if that's how you pay for your shoes, you probably need to get the better one. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like even when I was paying for my shoes, writing contracts, there was a place for preview because it opened the forms no matter where they were, no matter how badly they were coded. So I feel like it still is in your tool belt, but it's kind of like the difference between, you know, a handsaw and a power saw. (laughs) And uh, when, when you're running out of, um, options and you, you just aren't getting what you need with PDF annotation, you, uh, you, you, you know, you up your game, you get the better tool, but I really think for a lot of basic stuff, preview has got to a point where it's enough. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and really I have other PDF applications, but it is extremely rare that I end up having to use them, especially since I have now, uh, you discover the ability to shrink the uh, shrink file size and preview in that export pane. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's kind of uh, fun to say that I'm not using the high end PDF tools as much as I used to either. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> what about images? Yeah. I think, I think for images, it really comes down to like the difference between tweaking an image, making adjustments and doing image creation so if you need to bring in multiple layers, you need to really cut things out with precision. The instant alpha is good, but if you need to do that by hand, uh, or if you need the ability to manage uh, a lot of like related assets, because with Photoshop, you can link layers and you can have a library and you pull in the files and without having them like actually in the document linking that sort of thing. Then you're looking at something like Photoshop or Pixelmator, which I also have a machine, the excellent Acorn, a lot of good options. But, um, you know, I kind of feel like the image use is maybe a little secondary to PDFs, especially as Photos has gotten so much better on the Mac, where it has far more editing capabilities than Preview does. And I mean, 90% of the images in my life are in Photos, right? They're not in Finder. And so a lot of my like, real quote-unquote real photo editing i can just do in photos now but if you're doing creation or you know really kind of intense manipulation preview is probably gonna run out of steam for you yeah and to be honest i do very little image editing in preview for me it's the quick and dirty annotations for like blog post screenshots that's the kind of stuff i do in preview let's talk a little bit then where do you go you know, with this stuff, I guess you said Acorn and Photoshop are your two big ones. Uh, Pixelmator and Photoshop are my two big ones. Yeah. I mean, Photoshop, because I, I learned it in school a hundred years ago. And so like, I just 
and I already paid yeah. for Adobe, so I have it. But uh, Pixelmator Pro and Pixelmator Photo are um, are great. Uh, Pixelmator Pro, I, I really it feels more like Preview. It feels like Preview's kind of bigger sibling because it's very just Mac like in a lot of ways, yeah. uh, as is Acorn uh, by Gus Mueller. But um, yeah, Pixelmator kind of sticks a little bit better for me. Yeah, I really like Pixelmator Pro. I mean, I mean, I just can't. They, I like that they've added all the artificial intelligence stuff. Like, and I, I know that's not the topic of today's show, but like, if I have a, an image that's at low res and I want to scale it up bigger so I can yep. use it like as a wallpaper or whatever, uh-huh. it does a great job, and it is super automation friendly too. And the um, background removal stuff is amazing like they have a shortcut action i just shot this for the shortcuts for mac field guide which is still i'm still working on it but anyway uh, they've got a shortcut action just remove background take an image use their artificial intelligence remove the background and it does an amazing job and uh so anyway i i really like pixelmator pro for images and then for pdfs um i use pdf pen for years i still use it because i like their uh, ocr engine and i like their ability to turn it into a word document when i need to i think that's really cool another one that i really like is pdf viewer which i think is a a really good app i think it's maybe an up-and-comer and then i've talked about liquid text on the show before but that is my beloved i mean if you do research and you work with pdfs um, you need to look at liquid text. It's a totally different thing. It's not really what we've been talking about today, but it, it is, um, I want to see more people make apps like liquid text. Yeah. It's, it's kind of its own category almost. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, lots of good options, uh, out there for you. Uh, on the PDF side, of course, you also have Acrobat, which, you know, if you're paying for, uh, Adobe, you, you probably get in your plan or you may get in your plan. And if you are, creating forms for people to fill out acrobat i still think is the best thing out there for that but not everyone isn't has that sort of responsibility at work to to make fillable forms for people so uh, but it's there if you need it so let's talk about why preview is not on the iphone or the ipad and what all that means i mean it's not there it's not there (laughs) yeah yeah the first few years i kept thinking oh this will be the year we get preview but it never happened yeah, it was rumored in the ramp to iOS eight, <laughs> but it, it never it never actually materialized. Now the markup tools that are in preview are there if you make a a screenshot in iOS or iPadOS where you get the little marker and the pen. They're very similar tools. Yeah. And you also have quick look. So if you're in uh shortcuts or files, someplace like that, you can quick look uh, a, a PDF or an image. But those are sort of like, you know, back to our conversation earlier, framework kind of system level things, not its own standalone application. And I think especially in the iPad, it would make a lot of sense. You know, thinking about that sidebar and dragging things in now, it's very iPad-like now as well. As the iPad has yeah. picked up all that tech, all those technologies. Yeah, it's kind of strange to me that they, they haven't uh, haven't brought it over. Yeah. Um, so you've got to kind of roll your own. I mean, they, they do have the markup tool, which I think is really handy on the iPad and a good implementation of it. But there's also a ton of very powerful apps that can do things like remove backgrounds and 
I mean, PDF annotation really is the whole game at this point is on the iPad anyway, as far as I'm concerned. If you have a good iPad, PDF annotation is a lot easier on that device anyway. Oh, yeah. And the pencil is just, it's like made for it, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But, you know, overall, um, the reason we gave preview a whole show is because there is a ton of depth to this application. And I want to I want to acknowledge and thank Apple. You know, I mean, this is a lot of work to put an app together like this. I don't think it was like if you looked at the original plan for preview, they had no idea it was going to get all these tools. Um, maybe this is the biggest example of a bolt on application that Apple ships today where it just keeps getting cool features added onto it. But, you know, my uh, my request, Apple, is that you keep doing that, you know, as you get more into artificial intelligence, put some of those tools into preview mm-hmm. and um, just keep doing what you're doing. Because I think for most of your uh, customers, you have given them an app that uh, allows them to avoid buying something else. Yeah, totally. It's good. It's really good. What can we say? Um, yeah. It's been like this constant companion on the Mac for the whole OS ten era. and yeah, it was a lot of fun to dive into it. And, uh, you know, if if you're using it, you got some workflows that built around this stuff, you know, let us know in the forums. It's always fun to hear how other people use this stuff. All right. I think that does it. Uh, we'd love to hear. If we missed anything, let us know in the forum. And uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors today, 1Password, Memberful, Electric, and Squarespace. And we'll see you next time.